Guys, we're in a very important series right now. We started a couple weeks ago called Mental, and we're just talking about the role of the mind, uh, the role of our brains, really the role of, of, of our intellect in our being, first of all, but in our existence and, and in our relationship with God. And I brought my whiteboard this morning because uh, it's kind of hard to explain some of these things, so I figured I would demonstrate some of my artistic skill for you this morning. Don't laugh at me. And then I forgot I left my eraser, so if I mess up, it's just going to be there. But uh, we've got a lot to talk about, and I want to begin by talking about what is man, meaning um, what really makes up man, woman, uh, human beings, because we're, we're obviously different than other created things on this planet. You know, this was one of the things that when C.S. Lewis was an atheist, this was one of the things that convinced him of the existence of God was the fact that man had consciousness at all. In other words, what he believed was, well, if evolution were true and we were just coming from the, the blob, then we should just be like a stick or a plant you know, or a tree. There, in other words, there should be life. But why would you? Why? Where does consciousness come from? That that can't just be by accident. And it's a much deeper thought than that. But when we look at what man is, we we have to first start with the book of Genesis, which tells us that we were created in the image of God. So created in the image of God means. A, a few things. I mean, one, it means certainly that we do look like him. We know that from the Bible in the sense that he has eyes, ears, hands, you know, face, those, those types of things, just like human beings do. Um, God is described in the Bible as having those characteristics, and man was the only being that was created in that image. But not only created in the image of God in the way that we look, but also in capacity. In other words, we have the ability to think the way that God thinks. Our thoughts aren't his exactly, obviously, but we have the ability to think in a way that is God-like. We have a will that is like God. We have emotions that are like God. All the emotions that humans experience, God, has, God experiences. So those things come from him. We're created in his image in that way. Um, but I want to talk about what is man. So I'm going to start this morning with uh, a little drawing. Just hopefully I can get this right on the first try. But this is just for, for us to explain kind of what we're uh, talking about this morning. Oh, that was pretty good. <laughs> He's got a big nose, but you, that's okay. There's a few of you in here that identify with him. But anyway, um, <clears throat> so what is man? Well, obviously the part of man that we can see is the, the physical body. This is easy to understand. We, we see that. Then we know, um, we know that man has a brain and we started talking about this. Um, we started talking about, that's not the part, but it's good enough. You, you get it. Man has a brain and we started talking about that on, on week one. And that's kind of what this series is about, talking about the mind. The, the least understood part though of what man is, is the spiritual part of man. And I don't really know exactly how to draw. That the lid was off on that one. That one's dead. Good thing we brought backups. But the spiritual part of man, and I don't really know how to draw that exactly. 
um, a lot of times in Scripture, the Spirit is referred to as a heart. Uh, we know that the Spirit can leave the body. If the Spirit leaves the body, the, the body dies. This is something science doesn't understand because uh, there's no understanding that if the Spirit leaves, the body has to die by default. But that is true. That Jesus told, Paul said that, that if, the, if the Spirit departs, the Spirit is with God and no longer with the body. And, and the body would cease to live. What is the spirit? You know, it's interesting because the word for spirit in the Bible is, is actually the Greek word breath. And then you look back to the garden when God created man, he, he, he formed his body out of the dust. And then it says he breathed into him. So the best understanding that we have of what a spirit is, is that it is literally God breathed a portion of his spirit into man. And that every time a, a human being comes to life, comes into existence, that's what's happening, that God breathes into them, and that is their spirit. We find out from the Word of God that man's spirit is corrupted, full of sin. Um, that we are born, that our spirits are born now into sin, born degenerate, born separated from God, born full of sin. The Bible tells us that rebellion is bound up in the heart of a child. From the beginning, rebellion is, born, is, is bound up in the heart of a child. He says discipline will drive it far from him. But the point is, at some point, every spirit, every heart has to be reborn and regenerated. The Bible calls this the second birth. Jesus tried to explain this to Nicodemus in the book of John. And he said, you, you can't know God unless, uh, unless you're born twice, unless you're born again. He said, there's your natural birth, but your spirit has to be born again. One of the interesting things about the spirit that I think about is we think that all of our memories, experiences, learning, all of that is stored here. But the reality is when your spirit leaves your body... You no longer, this brain stays on the planet, but when your spirit leaves this body, you still have those memories. You still have those relationships. In other words, you're not going to get to heaven and you just be a blank slate. You're not going to get to heaven and just have no memories of earth, no memories of your relationships, no memory of even God himself. No, you're, there, that's, this is an interesting part that science doesn't quite understand because when your spirit leaves the body, it no longer has the brain or the body, but your spirit still retains uh, information from here. So we don't, we don't fully understand that. May, but man is more spirit than he is anything else. You know, when your spirit leaves the body, for example, uh, we see through our eyeballs. But when your spirit leaves the body, can you still see on your way to heaven? Can you still hear when the Lord says, well done, good and faithful servant? There's a lot of questions there that are unanswered. But what we know is the spirit is way, way, way more than we understand. And it is a mystery as the Bible says. But so much of what, you know, science understands is only the body and the mind. And we don't understand the spirit very well. And we don't, we don't connect to the, the spirit very well. We don't give it enough credence and enough importance. But the way that God changes people, just so you know, is by their spirit. The spirit is how God transforms us. When you're born again, your spirit is born again. And you get a, a, a portion. You, the Bible says that you are now filled with the Holy Spirit. You're filled with the spirit of God. And you can now live different. Because everything comes out of this. 
And we're going to continue to get into that this morning. Now, it has been said that the eyes and ears are the window to your soul. And in the, in the scripture, soul and heart uh, and spirit are sometimes used interchangeably. These are all words for the, the spirit. But it's been said that the eyes and the ears are the window to your soul. What does that mean? Well, it means you have five physical senses. I'm going to stand over here. I don't know where y'all can see best. I feel like I'm blocking someone's view no matter where I'm at. But the, the five physical senses basically are data collectors. Right? It collects data from this world. And it, and it transmits it to up here. So the things that you see, they go through your eyes into your brain. The things that you hear, they go through your ears and into your brain. The things that you touch, feel, taste, all of that. It's all sending signals, right, to your brain about information that you're perceiving from the outside world. So when we, this is not a scripture, but this is what's been said, that the eyes and the ears are the window to the soul. Well, in reality... Really, your eyes and ears are the window to your brain. Okay, this is very important for us to understand how the, God created the human being. Your eyes and your ears are the window to your brain. In other words, it sends information to your brain. But your brain, there's a connection between your brain and your heart. And when information comes up here, okay, it has the ability to drop down into here. And this becomes the part, the core part of who you are. For example, this is why the scripture tells us that we're to take every thought captive. Well, why? Because if you leave a thought hanging around up here long enough, it will find its way down into here. And as a pastor, I've met many, many, many people like this. For example, if you have a fleeting thought of, oh, you know, Maybe I married the wrong person. You don't know where that thought came from, right? It just, it, just, it just pops in here one day. And you immediately dispel it, and you go, that ain't from God. I, this, this is a person God joined me. The Bible says that what God has joined together, let no man separate. I'm committed to this person for life. In other words, you deal with that thought. It's pretty much just a passing thought, and it's gone. It doesn't really affect this. But day after day, you start meditating on this. You start rehearsing that. You start thinking that. Then eventually, you start speaking it. Maybe you say it to a friend. You say, you know, I just, I've been thinking about this lately. Maybe I married the wrong person. You start speaking that. Guess what? It's going to find its way into here. And once that gets into your heart, it's going to change the core part of who you are. And, and what you're going to see from that is you're going to see all the physical results on the outside of your life. Okay, I'm, in, I'm explaining... A complex topic this morning. We're going to kind of bounce around, but I want you to see how it works. So this is, this is the relationship that the scripture talks about. Things come in through here, 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 and they go here. And once they're here, eventually they have a way of dropping into here. This is why faith, this is how faith works. The first time you heard the gospel, what happened? It came in through the ears and it got in here. Did it immediately go here? I don't know. It, de it, it depends. Because some, sometimes it takes people hearing the gospel message over and over and over and over again. And faith begins to, to rise. And then eventually there's a point where it drops into here. What's that magical point? I don't know. But we can all 
see when it happens. We can all know when it happens by experience. When there was a change, something happened in me. I know that, you know, I was raised in church hearing the word for decade, for, for years on end, over a decade, hearing the word of God. But I remember the moment that it dropped in here. I remember the moment that it all came to life in here and my spirit was born again and I was transformed. So the relationship between these three parts, we'll call it spirit, mind, and body. Some people say spirit, soul, and body, but really I think spirit and soul are the same thing from Scripture. But just say mind, spirit, mind, and body. The relationship, they all come together to pretty much make who we are. And so what happens is information comes in, it goes here, eventually it gets here. The same thing can go in reverse. If you've got something in here, you've got something in your heart, it's eventually going to make its way here and it's eventually going to come out here. The Bible talks about that as well, that, that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Now, you don't, you don't speak from your heart. In a sense, he's bypassing the mind, but out of the abundance of the heart, it comes out through here and that, that's how it gets out. So we, 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 the heart affects the outside and the outside affects the heart. It can go this way, heart, mind, body, out, or it can come in this way, body, mind, heart. They, they affect each other both ways, coming in, coming out. Look at how Jesus said it, Matthew 15, verse 18. Now, you know, he's the one who wrote the owner's manual, right? He, he created the body, wrote the owner's manual for it. And this is what he says. What comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart and defiles a person. For out of the heart come evil thoughts. I think a lot of us didn't know that evil thoughts come out of the heart. Evil thoughts come out of the heart, he said. From out of the heart come evil thoughts. Murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. These are what defile a person. And, and what he was explaining to the Pharisees, they were all focused on what you eat. I'm so glad Jesus corrected them over that. Because... Because what you eat don't have a lot to do with your spirituality. Praise God for that. But anyway, he said he was correcting them on this because they were all focused on what you eat. And he said, this is silly. He said, what comes in here of talking about food, it doesn't affect your heart. Okay, it goes, he says, it just passes on through. That's not what defiles a person. He said, what defiles a person is what you allow in here, in this spirit and once it gets in your spirit, it will make its way out. And that is what ends up defiling a person. So when you have evil thoughts, it reveals something about your heart. It reveals something about what's going on in your heart. When you see or hear evil words coming out, evil actions, evil decisions, what do we know? We know that there's a heart problem. There's also a mind problem because these things work together. But there's a heart problem, there's a mind problem, and we're only seeing on the outside the fruit of that. When you see the fruit of a person's life, when you see their decisions, their words, 
their habits, their choices, how they treat people. What you're seeing is the fruit of what's going on on the inside. We know this instinctively. We know. That's why we say things to people. We hear, we hear somebody say something and we go, man, you are sick, dude. You got a sick mind. What is wrong with you? Because <laughs> we know that those words they said came from a sick mind. And what a lot of people don't know is it came from a sick heart as well. The mind, think of it this way. The mind expresses itself or manifests itself through the body. We talked about this in the week one. Everything going on up here controls the physical body. The body doesn't do anything apart from the mind. It's not just out, you know, making its own choices. The mind makes the choices. You know, I showed y'all the picture of Crane from the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles on week one. And his little brain, you know, he's like controlling the, the body. That's kind of what it is. The, the mind is, is in the driver's seat of our life. And if you separated the mind from the body, like if you could just take your brain out and set it on a shelf, your body would just fall to the ground and it would be lifeless. It would not be able to do anything. It would not be able to move. It wouldn't be able to breathe. Heart wouldn't be able to beat. You wouldn't be able to do anything. Your mind, imagining for a minute that it could remain alive, your mind would just be over there like can't do anything, can't make any decision because I don't have a body to carry out my will and the body has no one directing it. So separated, they're just two useless things. The mind only works, the brain inside the body, it controls it. So when we want to change our lives, what do we have to do? We've got to change our mind, we've got to change our heart. We're going to talk about that this morning. So many times when we try to make changes, we're trying to change the fruit of things. In other words, I'm going to stop doing this. Well, that is, a, that is part of the mind, certainly. But so many times we don't realize it's, the reason we can't change is because we're not really changing the right thing. We're not changing the thing that's at the core of what we're trying to, to do. So it's a mind problem. It's a heart problem. The mind expresses itself through the body. In other words, the mind is the driver of the vehicle of the body. But also the spirit expresses itself through the mind. That's what Jesus said in Matthew 15. He said, out of the heart, out of the spirit come evil thoughts. Then what do those evil thoughts do? They drive the body. So the spirit expresses itself through the mind. In other words, when you receive these thoughts or Maybe it's a good thought. Maybe it's, I'm going to be generous. I want to be generous. I want to help that person. Maybe you feel compassion towards someone and you go, I can't sit by and let that go on anymore. I'm going to get involved in that. Where did that come from? Out of the heart. It came into your mind. And if you act on it, it comes into your body. So these things are all connected and they're constantly working with each other to create our life and who we are. The mind expresses itself through the body, but the heart expresses itself through the mind. Now, this is why in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, we get this very famous scripture. I'm going to read it out of two versions, an ESV version first. It says, keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. Out of the New Living Translation, it says it this way, guard your heart above all else, 
for it determines the course of your life. Wow. You know, we spend so much time on things that don't necessarily direct the course of our life. You know, we spend time on things like, and I'm all for, all for education. We know the importance of education. But we spend so much time educating this. But let me just tell you something. I've met a lot of really educated people that spent years and decades of their life educating this and they didn't change this. And guess what? This is what ends up dictating the course of their life. How many people do you know that on the outside, they're ripped as can be, lean, physically fit specimen. They got the body right. Mind is sharp, educated, smart, but the heart is ugly. And so they end up with their life full of sin, full of pain, full of brokenness, full of divorce, full of loss and relationships with their, their children, addiction, on and on. Why? Because this was sick. And they focused on the outside and they focused on educating this, but they never fixed this. Happens all the time. How many of you know the one who created the body knows how it is to operate and how it is to be healthy? And this is why he said, above all else, above physical discipline, exercise, above mental education and learning, above all else, guard your heart. So many people that I know are busy. They'll take supplements. They'll work out. They'll go to the doctor. They'll read. They'll listen to podcasts. They'll get an education. But they don't spend any time here. And guess what? This is what's directing the course of your life. That's, a, that's an insight. That's a secret from the Word of God. Guard your heart above everything else. All of it's important. But guard your heart above all else. Why? For it determines the course of your life. You want to know what determines the direction that you go, the things that you've experienced, what determines the course of your life? He says it's your heart, and you've got to guard it, protect it, fight for it, above all else. Well, then the question becomes, fine, how do I guard my heart? And see, this series, you might find it interesting, well, we're talking about mental, but you're spending all this time talking about the heart. That's because you can't separate them. They're connected. And if I'm going to guard my heart, I've got to understand what is the gateway to my heart. There's nothing passing through, there's nothing getting in here that's not passing through here. There's nothing getting into your heart that's not first passing through your brain. You want to get the Word of God into your heart? How are you going to do that? You're going to read it with your eyes, or you're going to hear it with your ears. It's going to go in here, and it's going to drop into here and change this. You're not getting anything in here without it first passing through your mind. And this is one of the concerns that I have uh, for, for today's generation, especially younger people but it affects all of us. There are so many walking through this, this life that have no guard and no filter over this, what they're seeing and what they're hearing. They have, they have no filter on that, no guard, no protection over that at all. They're just seeing, hearing, watching, listening, feeding on the most depraved, wicked, ungodly, unbiblical things, and they think it doesn't affect them. Oh, it doesn't matter. I can watch that. I can see that. I can listen to that. I can look at that on the internet. I can hear that. I can read that. I can see this on social media. It doesn't affect you. You are deceived. 
it affects you way more than you know because what's happening is you're not guarding your heart. As opposed to guarding the heart, many people just have an open floodgate. Just doors wide open, gates wide open. Anything I see, anything I hear, doesn't matter. Don't worry about it. It don't, it don't affect me. It doesn't bother me. And I'm telling you, we, we've got a lot, of, a lot of our children, a lot of our youth that are being permanently changed by this right now. And they're going to they're gonna come into adulthood. And I, we've been doing ministry long enough now to see the fruition of this. Because we, this church has been going on 13 years. So we've had plenty of time for children to be... Nine, ten years old when, when they first started coming here and pass all the way through teenage years and now they're into adulthood. We've had plenty of time to watch what happens when a child is allowed to just bring in all the wrong information and how it affects them. Sometimes I've had conversations with parents all along the way through the years, warning, saying, this isn't good for them. They're, they're hearing the wrong, they're seeing the wrong thing. They're getting into this on their phone. It's going to affect them. And you don't see the fruit immediately because why? It's, it's not an instant change. It takes time for that harvest to come up. But we've seen it over and over again as a church. Kids that they're getting the wrong information. It's changing this. And eventually it changes this. And I don't know how many kids... Not, at this, not just at this church, but just people that I know that arrive in their 20s and they're almost totally numb, totally calloused, totally desensitized to sin, perversion, wickedness because their heart has been hardened as the Bible talks about. Why? From an onslaught of information and from doing the opposite of what this scripture says, which is to guard your heart above all else. Have you ever, as a Christian, have you ever seen something or witnessed something or maybe watched something that just grieved you in your heart? Just, you, it's like it bothered you in here. It's like you experienced it, you saw it, and you're like, mm, that, I, that just grieves me so bad in my heart. Well, that's biblical because the Bible says that the Holy Spirit is in you and that what grieves him should grieve you. But I've also seen people that ignored that and after time after time, it doesn't grieve them anymore. Maybe you've experienced that too. Maybe when you first saw something or first witnessed something, you were just grieved in here. You knew it was so bad, but then you kept doing it. You kept going down that path and before long, oh, it doesn't really bother me anymore. You know, I have people tell me that sometimes. They're like, well, you know, you're saying all this, but it doesn't really bother me when I do that. Well, all you're telling me is that your heart is calloused. Your heart is calloused and hard because if Scripture tells me that it's sin, then it ought to grieve us. And if you could just sit there and be part of it and it not grieve you, that tells me there's a problem here and it's a result that you haven't guarded your heart and you haven't protected it. And there will be fruit out here. How did you become the person that you are today? Like you... you you have arrived at a certain place. You are a collection of all of your experiences and information that you've heard. Information, experiences, encounters that you observed and experienced with your five senses. You've arrived at the person that you are today. 
these experiences were processed through your mind and they got into your heart. They became a fund, fundamental part of who you are today. The good news is, is that that can be changed. The gospel has a lot of answers for this. We're going to get into. But this is where things like PTSD come from, right? When you, when you have certain experiences, they can be so powerful and so traumatic that almost something permanently changes up here. You know, I remember, uh, I remember when I was a kid, my, my brother... Uh, put me in the bottom of a sleeping bag and rolled it up all the way to the end and sat on it. And, and I don't know how long he kept me down there. And I was, I was sweating and, and just scared half to death. And I think I was like permanently claustrophobic. And the only thing that, the only thing that brought me any comfort was that I was thinking, well, one day I'm going to be a preacher. and I can tell the world about all the horrible things he did to me. But I'm just kidding. He, he's in here. He goes to our church. But, but to this day, like I, I do a lot of backpacking and camping and things like that, or have done through the years. And uh, to this day, I don't like getting in those mummy sleeping bags that zip all the way up to the neck, you know, and you got to tighten the head around you. I'll be laying there and I'm like, I'm just going to unzip that thing just a little. I don't care if I'm cold. I, I don't like the feeling of this. But we can have certain experiences that get caught in our minds. Imagine, and any kind of trauma has this. You think about uh, child abuse. Things, things that happen when you're very young. And in a, in a sense, it's almost a protection mechanism because your, your mind, your, your heart even is, is telling you this is bad and you need to stay away. So anytime you encounter something that was similar to that or like that, all these triggers go off like warning, warning, stay, stay away. But that can change us over time. Like, and, and I've encountered people in church that have these thoughts that are, uh, you know that they're recurring, they're invasive, and they just can't seem to get rid of them. I mean, I've talked to so many people that have these recurring thoughts. They know they're wrong. They know they're maybe even opposite of the Bible. But there's a, it's like they're stuck on repeat, and they just can't seem to change those, those, those thoughts. Well, there's a connection between that and the relationship between the mind and the heart. We're going to get to that. We're going to, we're going to figure that out here in just a minute. But the mind and the, the spirit, those things are related, but there's a mysterious relationship between them. Let me give you another hypothetical but real example, I've, these, this, is, this is a compiled example of multiple stories that I hear as a pastor, but these are the very common example. Um, but I, I'm going to, of course, I'm not using a real person's name or anything like that, but the information in this, it comes from real conversations that I've had. Okay, so Matthew has multiple children by multiple different women. He's living with a woman now that he's not married to and has cheated on her more than once. He's, he was raised in a good Christian home, but became addicted to pornography as a young teenager. This story, I've heard so many times are stories like it. How does that happen? Because somewhere along the way, the heart was not guarded above all else. And something got into the heart and now not only is 
his life being dramatically affected, but now there are children and women and people along the way that their lives are being affected and changed. Why? All because this person's heart was not guarded. This is how serious it is. And I'm just going to tell you, as parents, we, we do not take this serious enough. We do not take this serious enough. We have teenagers in our home that are seeing things, hearing things, and because you're not... Because we're not seeing the immediate change in them or the immediate result, we think it's not making a difference. But I promise you, I promise you, it is making a difference. And unfortunately, you will only see the harvest of it and the results of it down the road when it will be too late at that point to do anything about. Now, of course, thank God for the gospel. There's always hope. But what I'm saying is your job as a parent will be over at that point. And you will only have so much influence in their life at that point. The time for us to really care about this and focus on this is is from the time they are young. As parents, we have a window with all of our children. And this isn't a a sermon on parenting. But we see this most, I guess, uh, we see this most effective with kids. Where they are like little sponges and they're just soaking up everything. And as parents, it's your job to help them learn the importance of guarding their heart. And sometimes we do it by force, right? We set boundaries and we go, you're not watching that. You're not hearing that. You're not going to be around that. Why? Because I'm trying to guard your heart because I know it's shaping who you are and who you're going to be. We teach our children, have taught them from the time they were young, we teach them to listen to their heart. Because guess what? Your heart speaks too. And so many times they'll do something, uh, you know, they'll do something wrong. They'll make a mistake, whatever. And from the time they were young, often we would sit them down and we'd go, now, how did you feel in here when you did that? What did you feel? Why? Because I want them to get in tune and in touch with listening to this going on in here. And now as teenagers, Multiple times I've had my kids come and say, well, everybody was doing this and I was about to, you know, go this way or do that. And I just felt in here. I was like, "Mm, I don't think that's right. And so I followed that. And I'm like, that's a win. That's what we want. We want you following your heart, listening to your heart because your heart will speak and guide you. So we see the importance. We know how crucial it is. We see the relationship. I think we all kind of knew this to a degree, maybe shed a little more light on it, but we know the connection between what we see goes in here. Some of us may not have known as much what goes in here goes in here, and then it all works in reverse as well. But knowing all of that, this is the beauty of the gospel. This is the beauty of the gospel right here, because what God did for us, what he does for us is that he gives us a new heart. And it's, it's the most amazing thing. In, in Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 26, this is what God prophesying ahead, this is what he said, I will give you a new heart. Everybody say new heart. He said, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And you go, well, yeah, but I, I, I didn't know all of this when I was coming up. And so I've got all this junk in there, and it's, it's sin, it's trash, it's, it's ugliness. And I, I don't know how I'm going to fix it. Guess what? God says he's going to take care of this part. It's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's the most amazing, great act of grace, act of mercy. This is what makes the gospel so good. 
Now, even after believer, even after we're believers, we still have got to guard our heart, no, no doubt. But when you come to Christ, there's a lot of junk in here. A lot of mistakes you made, a lot of things you did that you can't undo. And the Bible says that God will start the process by giving you a new heart. He says, I'll give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. I will remove the heart of stone, the one you wrecked. I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. In other words, a soft heart, a tender heart. And look at this. And I will put my spirit within you. And I will cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. So he was looking ahead, Ezekiel, God through Ezekiel was looking ahead to a time of, of the gospel being effective on the earth where people could be born again and receive a new heart. Even though their hearts were hard and, and like stone and calloused and damaged, he said, I will give you a new heart. I'll give you a new spirit. I'll put a measure of my spirit in you. And I will cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. Meaning, in another place, he says, I will write my statutes and my rules on your heart. When you get that new heart, you know instinctively what's wrong and what's right in here. And this is the beauty of the gospel, is that no matter how much you have defiled this, no matter how sick this is, even if this were to be demon-possessed, God could clean all of that out and start you over with a new heart. Isn't that amazing? Now, what you don't get is a new mind. And you don't get a new body. The new body comes later. The Bible has the answer for getting a new mind, which we're going to talk about in just a second. But you don't get a new mind. And this is where people get confused. Well, I got saved and I came to God, but I still have all these bad thoughts. That's because you don't get a new mind. But he gave you what you needed to get a new mind. And he gave you what you needed because when you get this right, he gave you what you needed to get the new mind and to get different fruit in your life. He gave you the kickstart. He gave you the head, the head start. Now, when you come... And you get saved and your, your life is born again. You get that new heart. You don't get a new mind. Look, if, if you only had a high school education or didn't even finish high school when you got saved, that's still the case. You don't have any more intelligence than you had before. If your IQ was low, still the same. If it was high, still the same. If you were tall when you got saved, short, skinny, fat, it's still the same. It doesn't change when you get saved. Your body doesn't change. Your mind doesn't change. But what he gave you was the tools to change all of that now with a new heart. And look, it's going to be a lot of work. How many of you just by a quick show of hands have been at One Life for more than three years? Just, just quick quick, Man, a lot of you. So if you've been here for three years, you have... And even, even if you've been here less than that, I'm just curious because this process takes a while. But if you've been at One Life coming consistently for three years, you've been in a long process of changing this. And if you come every Sunday and you, and you came every Wednesday to life groups or when we were doing, then that, that process is expedited. If you come only once a month, it's going to be a little bit slower. But you're, you're having your mind what the Bible calls. You're having your mind renewed by the word of God. 
this is changed immediately. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. It says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. See, when we hear that scripture, a lot of people think everything should have changed when I got saved. Everything should have changed. If I had a desire to sin, that desire should have left. If I was addicted, those addictions should have left. Look, sometimes that happens. But it doesn't happen with everybody. Matter of fact, I'd say it's the majority of the time that that does not happen. There's a lot of work to happen afterwards. But what he does is, this is the new creation. This is what's born again. This is what's changed is your spirit. So he says, if anyone is in Christ, he is now a new creation. He being the real you. Your spirit, the part of you that's eternal. The part of you that when this is rotten and dead, this is still alive. He says, if anyone is in Christ, he or the real him is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. But again, if there was something wrong with your physical body, it's still there. If there was something wrong up here, it's still there. And that is now a long process to change those things. You might be saved and and born again as can be. And, And if you were raised in a Christian home, raised in church, taught good morals, good character, all of that, you may not just have a tremendous amount of work to do up here. It's going to be maybe a fairly easy process to get this in here and this. That's how it was with me. You know, I was raised in a good family, had all kind of word in me. So when I got saved, it just all activated instantly. There wasn't just a tremendous amount of junk up here that needed to be. But for some of you, you've got, you know, you've got decades of wrong thinking, wrong living, wrong habits, wickedness, perversion, sin, all of that's in here. And, you, and, and, and after you give your life to Jesus and you get that new heart and you're still experiencing that, you might be tempted to think, well, I must not be saved because I, I don't see a change out here. The change was in here and it's got to work itself out. Paul even said for us to work out our own salvation. The Bible talks about this process as the process of sanctification. If you've ever heard that word sanctify or sanctification, that's what it means. It means to be more and more set apart for God. And that is a process of maturity that has to happen in every believer's life. If you are a believer, you know you're saved, but you're still having problems up here and out here, you are in that process of allowing what's in here to work its, work its way out. And that takes time. Now, what we're going to spend time talking about next week is this magical process. I'll say magical because of how amazing it works. Magical process of mind renewal. And this is the quickest way to change as a Christian is through the process that the Bible calls mind renewal. I'm going to read one scripture to you just to let you know where we're going next week. And we'll we'll get just a little bit into it, and then we'll really dive into it next week. This is Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Paul, Romans 12, 1 said this, I appeal to you. Now, Paul has the understanding that we're talking about right here. So you're going to see spirit, mind, and body, the whole package in this verse. When he says, I appeal to you, he's talking about the real you. The real you. You'll see what I mean by the rest of this sentence. He says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your body 
as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable. So Paul knows that you, the real you, is separate from your body. That's why he says it this way. He says, I appeal to you to present your body almost like your body is something that you own, something that is a possession of yours. He says, I appeal to you as the one who's in charge, the one who's in the captain's seat. I appeal to you to take your body and as an offering, present it to God. Now, when he says body, he's not just talking about, he's not talking about your physical body. He's talking about this physical world that we live in, all the fruit of your life. The choices you make, the decisions, your relation, all of that. So when he says to present your body as an act of worship, what he's really saying is present your physical life to God. Present it to God as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable, which is, notice, which is your spiritual worship. Your spiritual worship. See, the Bible tells us that we are supposed to worship God from our spirits, Meaning the, the realest part of us. Because how many of you know, you could be in worship and your hands could be doing this and you could be swaying back and forth. And your eyes could be closed. And so your body is on cruise control. Your mind, what are we going to have for lunch? Man, I'm hungry. Did I even eat breakfast this morning? What is going on? And so your spirit not engaged, your mind not engaged, your body is on cruise control. But this is what he says. He says, I'm telling you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice to God. And he said, this is your true spiritual worship, meaning the way that you live your life is the purest form of worship to God. If you come in here and you sing and lift your hand, and believe me, I've seen it all. My word, I've been in church. I'm telling you, I've seen it all. You can come in here and you're just as spiritual as can be, raising hands, singing, and go out there and live, talk, act like the devil. That's not spiritual worship to God. That's not true worship to God. He said your true worship, your true spiritual worship to God is the way that you live your life. That is how God is worshiped in and through us. Of course, we know what we do in here is worship as well. It's wonderful. But if you're doing this, you're, you're doing all of that and it looks good, but you're not out there living a true Christian life. He said, that's not true worship. So he said, I commend you, present your bodies to God as true spiritual worship. Verse two, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Now keep in mind, He's talking to Christians that have already been transformed in here. He, he's, he's writing to Christians in Romans 12. He's saying, you've already been transformed in here. You've already become a new creation in Christ. Old things have passed away in here. But now the battle's going to be, are you conformed through your mind? Are you conformed to the world's way of thinking? Or are you transformed by the renewal of your mind into a son or daughter of God? And this is the, the focus in the battle for us. I hope this is encouraging to you because some of us are struggling with things and we don't exactly know where to pinpoint the problem. We don't exactly know where to pinpoint and make change. I can tell you if you're saved and born again, the problem's not here. The problem is here. And the Bible has a very clear, wonderful solution for changing this is called mind renewal. I don't know anything better on the planet at changing a person's mind than what the Bible prescribes 
for this process. I believe in counseling. I believe in therapy. I believe in psychology, all of that. But let me just tell you, there's nothing more powerful than what the Word of God calls mind renewal. And if you take hold of this and you use it to your advantage, it will change you. It will, it will change who you are. You will start to see different results in your life. And we're going to talk about this over the next few weeks because it's going to take us a couple weeks to unpack it. And I want to encourage you, don't miss this. If you can't be here, watch it online. This is a key fundamental part of being a believer that you need to know, not just for yourself, but for your children and for your family.